Welcome to the Grace World Podcast. I'm Dan Hewitt. And I'm Becky, his wife. This is episode 22. Hello, everybody. Hi there. You ready for me to drop a bomb today? Oh, my gosh. I guess. It's going <laughs> to blow my mind. I'm going to blow something up. Oh, my goodness. I want to go Are you ready? In. Are you ready, folks? Here we I go. I am ready. Here it is. Any, this is it. If you believe your relationship with another person can be enhanced, improved, or managed through control of another person, you have failed in your relationship. Wow. How's that sound? Uh, like an interesting topic. Let's go there. What's on your mind, Mr. Hewitt? Well, let me tell you. So I've been thinking about this this week. I forget what got me started on it. But later in the week... I was reading an article, and it was on, can women speak in church, blah, 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 those kind of questions, and I'm not even going to go there. But it was interesting reading the comments, because many of the people in the comments to that article kept saying things like, well, the man is the head of the woman, and the you know Christ is the head of the church, and a man has authority over a woman, and I don't know, just all, all those things that I've heard all my life, and I agree, they're all true. But here's the thing. If we're going to have a relationship, whether it's husband and wife, parents and children, do we ever really get to control or should we ever control the other person? What do you mean by control? That means we get to make them do stuff. Now, I'll give the exception for small children during training who don't know better so I'll, I'll, I'll give a little possibility that that's reasonable with small children. So by that answer right there, I'm going to say the answer to that question is no. Wow, you clued in fast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sharp sometimes. I ate my Wheaties today. You're cute. And she's smart. And she's sharp. <laughs> so no is the answer. You're so, not really controlling somebody. Right. And so here's what it really stunned me this week. or really got me thinking about separation of... You know me, I like to separate and be very careful with terminology. Yeah, it's important. When we think about relationships, many people, let's use husband and wife because I want to do that first. I think that's more important. And then we can extrapolate to children to some degree. Often in the church, we get into a discussion on who's in charge, who's in control. Who's the authority? In a relationship. In the relationship, right? And I think that question can be answered, but the problem I have is if that is the emphasis of the relationship is authority, control, headship, what do you think is the likelihood that it is a healthy relationship? And by healthy, you mean? It grows in Christ. It blossoms. It continues to grow deeper. That's a lot of imagery. What do you mean practically? A healthy relationship looks like? Uh, you, gosh, I thought those were good examples. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would I would add <laughs> some very more okay. lower level things like uh, practically you both share ideas with each other. You're uh -huh. free to 
to communicate, free to live good, without good. Mm -hmm. um, fear of what the other person is going to think or say to you. Uh, you have shared interests, shared uh, vision and goals and purpose. There's a lot of trust in the relationship. Mm -hmm. That's what I would, those, those are the kinds of things I would say are healthy relationships. Those are great. So you're working together to achieve common goals and purposes. Hopefully that's part of the healthy relationship. Yeah. Because I'm thinking about, <laughs> I go back to thinking about what are some really unhealthy patterns that I've seen. And when I've seen... In our from, marriage? No, not ours necessarily. There no. are some. You can, you no, can go I'm, there. I'm thinking of really bad things I've seen in some other people who have talked and things like when, you, when the man says, I'm in charge, I, you do what I do, and, you know, and, and they don't solicit their wife's opinion, mm. but rather they think something through and then they dictate the destiny of the family. Mm -hmm. I think that's a horrific way uh, to run a family. Because? Uh, because what it is, it, well, it's dictatorial for one thing, it is not really a relationship. Oh, it's a relationship. It's true. It's a bad relationship. <laughs> it is not a partnership, what it is. And this is where I think maybe a lot of, uh, even in the past, probably in the 50s, where a lot of uh, feminism came against was there was a lot of abuse or feeling of dominance where a man would spend a lot of time saying, I am in charge, I am in control. And I want to go talk about what true and pure leadership was. So let's even talk about headship or leadership. True leadership never, I don't think, controls another person. Okay. So the goal of a leader, let's see, what's the root word in leader? <laughs> er. <laughs> that one you did <laughs> not get correct. <laughs> You know, or, were you just, or were you just, were you just <laughs> 50, hemming 50 and chance. hawing there going, I had a 50, 50 um, chance. <laughs> I'm not sure. Okay, so true, yeah, true leadership. Me, I, you know, what's the verse? It says, uh, you know, the husband has to love his wife and, you know. It's in Ephesians. Yeah. Ephesians 5. And I'm going blank here on the whole description of it. You know, he would willing to give up himself for the church or as Christ gave himself for the church. And the notion of leadership was I care and am nurturing the other person and I'm willing to go ahead and put myself at risk in order to benefit the other person, in order to bless them and to build up this relationship or the place we are going to. Does that sound like anything reasonable? Yeah, I think you're headed in the right direction. Right. And so the focus... If you're leading somebody... The true focus of leadership is what? I want to take you somewhere. Yeah. I'm going this way and I want you to come with me and maybe uh, you, uh, I don't know, in marriage, this could get a little sticky. Let's work it out. Well, you just, a little bit ago, you just mm -hmm. used the word partnership, mm -hmm. that marriage is a partnership. Yep. So does there need to be a leader in a partnership? And that's a darn good question and an important one. And this is where we have to work through some of those terms like headship or whatever, uh, leadership. Um, and there does seem to be in the Bible some indicators of masculine headship within a marriage pattern. 
But then the question is then what differentiates that from the wife? I mean, how different are they truly in that relationship? What would your perception be? I'm not sure I know what the question is. What so difference in, other words, in what? What's really different between a man and a woman, even if one is the head? You know, that relationship. Are they fundamentally different? As far as as who Just who gets to make decisions and that kind of purpose. thing. So I guess what I'm kind of trying to drive at is I don't think that we're really should be considered that different within our relationship. However, I think if you read the Ephesians chapter, if you read some of those other verses, the implication is the man may have to take responsibility for some things, possibly making a decision, the final decision. But, and here's the thing I've always, con- I, you know, I've teach, taught at prison. I've teached at prison. <laughs> I was teaching them how you to speak correctly. I was them? teaching them how to teach them how to speak correctly. And, you know, one of the things I always say is, if you don't listen to your wife, if you think you can make decisions and head somewhere and do any decision in your family, without the complete input or even agreement of your spouse, you're probably in a really bad place. So in other words, we don't get to be independent of each other anymore, either man or woman. No longer are we really independent. We need to be making decisions together. Because? Because, well, what's the alternative? To not. You can't ask my question, answer my question with a question. Jesus did that all the time. You're not Jesus. I am filled with Jesus. All right. I'll, I forgot my question. All right. <laughs> you, you got me there. Sorry. You said uh, a man oh. cannot. Oh, we can't make decisions, make decisions without independent the, of the other. Now, that doesn't right. mean I can't decide where I want to go for lunch or something. No, you said something. family. You were talking right. about family decisions, which was a good distinction. Right. Um, and I said, why? Yeah, so let's think about the pattern or logically what. If I'm making a decision independent of my wife, it implies, first of all, one or more of us, either me or my wife, or both, are not listening to the Holy Spirit because we are not unified. Okay. Does that make sense? I, I need to think on that, too, but you can keep talking. I, probably okay. that's fine. I just... Now, we both can agree on something and still be wrong. Okay. <laughs> so there is that possibility. Okay. But when we disagree with each other, one or more of us is wrong or not listening to the Holy Spirit. So we need to be or bringing, kind of put hemming in. We need to be thinking again, why are we not in agreement? Exactly. So there's more to it than just listening to the Holy right. Spirit. Right, that's the because surface. Because if you're not in agreement, it's either A, you're coming from two different perspectives, mm-hmm. and you don't, you're not a, acknowledging that together. Right. There might be some baggage. There might be some mistrust. Mm-hmm. There might actually be... One is headed for a train wreck and the other is trying to stop that. Right. You know, there's, there could be a bad decision just outright, all of which can be led by the Holy Spirit. But to Mm -hmm. say you're not listening to the Holy Spirit. There's a lack of clarity there. 
excuse me. Yeah, there's Butch. it's there's a lot that goes right. into that statement. So, and when I talk about making decisions, I'm talking about something significant. Like, again, we're not talking about where to go for lunch or some. Maybe it is. That could be. I mean, we can have trouble because we can't decide where to go for lunch if, if both of us yeah, are involved. But that's not yeah, really yeah. what we're talking no, about No, you're here. talking about headship and leadership and within yeah. a marriage at this right. point. And so we need to become unified in where we go or what we're doing so part of that discovery process is I need we need to talk. Why is there a difference in our opinions? We need to be able to raise concerns and let's say and I, and I do think at some point the husband is responsible to make a final decision when there's a, a tiebreaker, but the thing is if we have to break a tie, I probably shouldn't make that decision. Right. So I don't think the probably, responsibility right, is so it, you have to make a decision at, to be the tiebreaker. I right. think the responsibility, and I think this is actually mm-hmm. the, the key of it all, um, because, of course, my mind, my little mind is already worrying in the uh, how does Christ love the church and all that kind of stuff, and the responsibility. Mm-hmm. He took responsibility yeah. for the relationship between him, God, and humanity. So the responsibility, I think, that a husband has from God is to to lead when there needs to be growth in the family or even growth mm-hmm. in the marriage. It's the husband's job uh, uh, to because you're the responsible. You're the one that should be making sure the marriage is healthy. Right. Wow. Has that been skewed? And that's a key right there, because what happens is. Typically, when you hear a man trying to say, I'm in charge, or I'm the head, or I'm in control, they're typically not doing that from a perspective of a servant who is following God and trying to lead their spouse. It usually means, I want to control the situation. Right. The thing is, if if I want to say, I'm leading then I better be really, really, really dependent on Christ and following the Holy Spirit and listening to what he's saying. And listening to your wife. Yes. And that's part of that is, right, because there's a mutual, there's a feedback loop in there. If I'm leading, if I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, if she's listening to the Holy Spirit, we're both going to be growing. If we're talking it out with each other, we can work out some of those things. And I think maybe that's part of the difficulty we often see in relationships is we don't feel secure to work through our differences in a healthy manner. So if I may carry baggage into something or you may carry baggage into a situation or you even may misunderstand, or I might, where we're coming from in a situation, we can get all riled up and fight over things as opposed to saying, what are the tools I need to be able to work through and discuss when we view things differently. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the difficult things. I know when I was young, I think if you look at the generation even before me, so I'm a baby boomer, but the World War II generation, I think they weren't talky people. <laughs> Not yeah. in the not not as a, not as a big hold as a whole. I mean, there are some big, people that did a great job, but I think yeah. as a general relative usage, talking things out wasn't a big thing between I, a man and yeah. his wife. 
the baby boomers, we probably did a little bit more of that and people got into a little more of the psychology and a little more of that. And I think by the time we got married, I think we were in a healthy environment of people that encouraged it at least. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe today there's probably some more openness about that. I sure hope so. Um, but it's interesting. I think the hardest part is we want to guard ourselves and if we enter into a marriage, but we're not willing to open ourselves out up to each other with trust, what do we have? Two guarded people trying to make it through life together, being intimate at one level, but not, you know, maybe being intimately involved mm. sexually, but not being intimately involved emotionally or mentally or spiritually or various levels of that and of course nobody's going to get this perfect all the time so especially if you're newly married or these are new concepts into your marriage there's opportunity for growth and that could be kind of bumpy right but but what what you're saying is you you have there has to be some mutual trust and mutual respect and love in there that thinks of the other in a I want the best for the other I want the best this person can be that kind of mm-hmm. emotion attached and uh, encouragement and support for the other person yeah and I think there's probably two extremes or whatever we could go to and that one is you enter into the relationship completely guarded and it's like, well, I will let my guard down when I finally believe I can trust you and when you have shown it and when, and we put a lot of caveats in that relationship. Sure. On the other hand, and more healthy, but somewhat terrifying is I'm willing to cast myself with abandon and trust you. And that's terrifying. (laughs) To say, I'm willing, and this is actually, I'm going to go off a little bit here. I was listening to, I don't know, Focus on the Family or some family show, and it was a couple who, they got married, and they had some intimacy issues when they got married, because they had been involved in some inappropriate stuff before they got married, and then they found they had intimacy issues when they did get married, and I think part of that is, when you look at, People in an early relationship when they are active, and I'm trying to decide what our rating of our show here is. I think we'll try to keep this as G or PG as possible. Okay. When people are in active dating relationships, I'm just going to leave it at that. People are somewhat, uh, I guess, sexually open, but not emotionally because... I think what it is is they don't see an actual commitment there so you can be physically naked without being emotionally naked. And that's somewhat easy to do. Mm -hmm. And then when people enter into a marriage, the transition to emotional nakedness is kind of terrifying because it's all of a sudden it's like, whoa, whoa, wait, now there's a possibility that you're going to reject me. Mm Mm-hmm. Or not like who I am, or, you know, pick your litany of mm-hmm. issues that we may have. Mm-hmm. And so stepping into that is a very difficult thing if you're not willing to trust 
that God will bring the two of you together through this and mutually lean on God to bring you to that place. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was thinking about this. I don't know how, you know, we have Christ as the center of our marriage, and that's really important. I was trying to think of what is it like for people who don't know God to be married? And I was like, I can't even, and bless you if you're out there that way, but I can't even comprehend what is the core thing of intimacy that is the commonality to two human beings if that's not there. And I don't mean that as a harsh judgment thing. It's a, I want to encourage you. And if you don't have that, I hope you can find that. But it's part of that safety is to, if I can enter into the relationship with God, then I have a little bit more ability to enter into the risk of another person because I, I can enter into the safe place, which is God, and trust him for his protection and safety as I reveal myself to another person, or at least I have some hope in that. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. I would really, I would really, (laughs) I, I would like to hear thoughts from other people on how they feel about, Mm -hmm. about how people connect, um, without the spiritual component, because I bet there are some perspectives out there that we don't have because we, Right, and I'm not Believe saying that you the don't have a connection, isn't. and you, I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying it's uh, there's something there that I know I have, and I'm interested to know how what it's like without that. Mm-hmm. That kind of puzzles me. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Okay, well, uh, because I like to spiritualize everything, mm-hmm. let's. Uh, I. I want to talk about leadership in the relationship with the mm-hmm. Lord. And uh, because we've been talking for weeks now about how relational God is. And I, I suspect that there are marriages that are not very healthy. I mean, ours wasn't for a while, actually. We had some marriage, we had some strong marriage junk that we had to wade through um because we view god we when we don't view god relationally mm-hmm. so you you just kind of alluded to that um or said it pretty outright actually that if you if i think that so when it says you know husbands love your wives like christ loves the church and Christ is leading the church. If I think that you, my husband, are in charge of making all of the decisions and you're in control and I don't have any input, that does not draw me into wanting to share you're just myself. Along for the ride. Yeah. I, and sometimes I, I'll freely admit, I do sometimes just be along for the ride on some things. For various reasons. But if you think that that's how God relates to you, he just says, I'm going to bring you along for the ride. You're probably missing some very uh, important pieces to the relationship between you and Christ slash God slash Holy Spirit, because you're not sharing yourself 
with God. There is a giant theological you bomb are, hidden right in there in uh, what you said. I know. I know. Do, do you want me to go there? Sure. Or we're dropping bombs this well, week? Well, I think it's a great connection. If, it actually is. A, it's, it really is the connection of the matrimonial relationship to the relationship we have with God. And there's very, they are very similar. Okay. So we'll let you go. Hesitantly, I might have to yank your chain or <laughs> you're pull gonna have the, to, you're gonna have to be the, the head the head of the thing here pull the volume down we, if you get carried away well because guys we'll just tell you we do not edit our i don't know if you figured this out or not but we don't edit our things so here we, we may go correct ourselves but we don't edit i if i'm in relationship let me just say it this way maybe it will not be so bomb like if i'm in relationship with god mm-hmm. which i am and he want and and he wants intimacy with me Mm-hmm. then that means sometimes I get to make the decisions. What the heck? I get to give what some in input wide world of sports is about going on here? the decisions that are being made. Just like in a marriage, if you are the only one, if I want to be connected to the Lord, okay, I'm going back and forth, back and forth. You, you want me, you don't want me to just come along for the ride. No. Right? You want me I to be... I assume you bring something to the table. Yes. You want me to be involved in all the thought processes of every aspect of life that we share together. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, I'm so glad that you feel that way. I'm so happy about that. Um, I think that the, the God is the same way. I don't think God wants a relationship with people uh, to just say, here, I'm going to take you through uh, life and you, I'm just going to carry you through life. And here's why I think that is not the case mm-hmm. because, because he gave us a will right. because we have a will. He wants us to use our will and uh, experience making decisions that have an impact on things for the good or for the bad. Mm-hmm. Now, of course he is going to lead us, when we ask for wisdom, mm-hmm. we don't know what we're, we really are in a quandary about a decision. Even when we don't ask, he's still leading. We're he totally does. He, that's true. <laughs> he, he does. Yes. Because I'm not trying to de, uh, what's the word I want here? God is a deity. Yeah. So I, I, I realize that he is not a human, but I think human relationships mirror the deity and mm-hmm. bring us into a better understanding of what relationship with God could and should be. And so back to the bomb, does he control everything? I don't think so. I don't think right. he wants to control everything. Right. He wants me to participate with him into the goodness that he is bringing into mm-hmm. the earth. That means I have to use my will. And he delegates. And I have to, yes, he does. Mm -hmm. Hold on there for a second, though. Mm -hmm. He wants me to be part of that process of seeing something come from idea to fruition, just like he did with creation, where he had the thoughts of creation, and then he spoke them into being. And there were those things that happened and all of the history and all of the gospel and all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so um, that that little gem of truth 
we've been gnawing on, Dan and I both been gnawing on that for a few years now, and it really is starting to sink into me that God is wanting me to be active in relationship with him and sometimes have my own idea about what I want to do. And as I'm connected as a branch to the vine, as I stay in full mindset of him, as I'm in the word, as I understand his character, just like with my husband, when I know that I need to help make a decision or, or just even interacting with my husband, I know my, my husband's character. I know what he likes and what he doesn't like, what he thinks is good, what he thinks is evil, how he believes on certain things. And he has very strong beliefs and very strong character. And I know which buttons to push when I feel like I'm really mad and I want you him to be mad too. That. You wouldn't do that. Would I, you? And I think we know which buttons to push with the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we can push the Lord's buttons sometimes. And he's like, uh, yeah, no, thank you very much. And he mm-hmm. can put, you know, a consequence in place or whatever. I don't know. I'm not you know, going to go to that, a, but, but, but th- that's right. relating, right? That's what relating means. You're going back and forth with ideas, with, uh, life sharing, uh, uh, experiences, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think there's a, to me, there's this paradox of God and how he works in that he's trying to grow us and mature us in that maturing process is paradoxically both developing developing us to be independent of him, that he's building character, yet we're becoming more dependent on him as we see him in intimacy. And it's a, a to me it's a paradox, because God wants us to both be thinking, growing, and having solutions, but at the same time we're completely dependent on him, listening to him for the leadership in those things. Yet how the two work together is a little bizarre in fact where one begins and the other ends i don't even know how much of it is my idea versus his ideas how much of it is my growth versus him building something into me i don't know i mean to me it's almost like intimacy when you're intimate and close together where does the one person begin and the other end i think god's desire is i'm so intimate with you that things are produced in you and there is responses from you and creative things coming from you and him putting it in you that where one ends and the other begins is hard to fathom Mm -hmm. yet he's building you to be something Mm -hmm. you know so there's both a distinction of you separate from him yet he's bringing you to intimacy with him and how that all works together. And I don't know, but God is definitely it's a mystery. It's a mystery. It's part of the mystery of God, of what he wants to do in us. He actually wants to grow us and he wants us to cooperate. He wants to woo us in a relationship, but he wants to see us grow in that relationship to where we are, doing creating making things and he delegates you know this is one of those i think one of the most difficult things to understand is you know people say why can't god do this and it's like well god can do that but he has delegated a lot of the responsibility to us to be empowered follow him and for us to be doing the work of the lord 
that we would follow in him and do things. Yeah, just look at the example of Jesus. Okay, Jesus became a human being to be our our model of Mm -hmm. how it is to live as a human in union with God and bring to the earth the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, you know, I've always thought about this like Jesus didn't. I think that Jesus was always listening to the father. But now I, I kind of, I'm kind of wondering, like, was he listening to the father all the time in every, 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 every little teeny tiny decision that Jesus made? Or was he in union with the, or was he listening to the father when he went away to pray? And then he would go out and do the work that he knew was lined up with the father's will and the father's character. And I don't have a good answer to that, except that I think that Jesus, if we are supposed to be following Jesus example and be disciples on the earth as Jesus was, mm-hmm. there were some, phys- there was, he lived in the physical world. Mm-hmm. He lived with a mind. He had to meet, make decisions in his mind. Mm-hmm. So what those were his decisions. Those were his thoughts as a man. Mm-hmm. They lined up with the will of God, but maybe not because God was whispering in his ear all the time, do this, do that, do this, do that, think this, think that. Him right. being lined up with the father meant that he knew the father so well, he knew what mm-hmm. the father would want. I mean, think about that. I think that's the paradox is is it's like, I don't know where he ended with his speaking directly versus he has left a deposit in me versus he has grown me to be like him. And I don't know where one ends and the other thing begins. Why why do you have to know? You don't. And that's maybe that's an exercise left for the reader to ponder is how much is God telling you? And I think... It's like the closer we grow to God or the, you know, we're, I'm sorry, we're always close. The more we're intimately listening to God, the more mindful we are of God in our lives, mindful, probably the less we have to be listening to every point yet, the more we want to be talking and listening because we just, we just love (laughs) it to be here. It's it's a great relationship. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, honestly, when you are good at something in your field, where, where there's a study mm-hmm. or something that says you need 10,000 hours right. yeah. to be considered actually an expert in your field, okay? When you've done your field, whatever your field is, long enough, you don't have to write out exactly everything that you're going to do to make your job or career or whatever happen. You get at some point where it's like second nature to you. Right. You know how to do it. I'm a music teacher. If I were to teach, uh, you know, as I teach my piano students or if I were back in the classroom, I would have a general idea of what I wanted to do, but I don't have to write it all out because it's second nature to me to know how mm-hmm. to teach children music. Okay. Same thing, I think, with the father and in our relationship with him. If I know my dad, if I know the character of my dad, mm-hmm. it's going to be 
it's going to come out of me. The more I do that, right. the more that's second nature. Right. And that's not me asking for his will at every single second of the day, but we are communing together. And it's more me experiencing his delight and his joy mm-hmm. as I step into life and decision making and bringing the kingdom of he- heaven to the kingdom of earth. It, it, it's happening. And, and so really the communion isn't so much about him telling me what to do and him leading me back Mm -hmm. to our marriage example, because we've been married for 34 years. I don't have to ask you, gee, Dan, I wonder, I wonder if Dan would be okay if I went and bought a new car tomorrow. If I just went by myself and went and bought a new car without asking him, I know the answer. (laughs) I know how you would feel about that. I know you. You would be sad about that. It's not that I couldn't do it on my own, but you wouldn't experience that with me. You, I know that about you. I don't want to go do that on my own. I don't want to go do some big decision. I want to experience it with you. And same thing, Mm -hmm. I think, with the Holy Spirit. And if you're listening, Becky would like a Jaguar. I do want a Jaguar someday, but I don't think I'll go buy one tomorrow. (laughs) But I, I... that's where I find the connections to be with this, what you're talking about, who's in charge of the relationship. Right. And so let's get back to that. So I think, have we eradicated the idea that if we're starting to talk in terms of control in a relationship, we're fundamentally messed up in that relationship. Yeah, you don't understand what relationship could be if you you feel like you have to control somebody in a relationship. Right. And I, because as I think about going through those comments in that article and the people discussing, you know, headship and all this stuff, those have some validity to talk about and some places. So I'm not at all dismissing the biblical terminology or whatever. But it's like if that is your technique to establish a relationship. I'm sorry, but that's just not going to work out. And I mean, and there's a lot of people. Jesus doesn't do that. Right. Jesus doesn't doesn't come to you and say, I'm the leader. I'm the one in charge. You must follow me. The opposite is what happens. He He is so vulnerable, vulnerable to the point of exposed death Mm -hmm. to invite you into relationship. That's what headship is. Yeah. That's what relationship, that's what leadership in a, in a marriage or any other kind of relationship mm. should be. I'm going to fully expose myself to the point of death to show you how much I love you and woo you into that relationship. If your husband isn't doing that, you guys need to be having some prayer time conversations yeah. about what true leadership and headship really means. This sounds like I just listened to actually as a Bill Johnson video and he's talking about the gifts, the fivefold ministry and they got to apostleship, and I know that's a real hot button. Though some people like there is no apostles, and others are like I have apostles. And his point was, they believe in apostleship, and he explained what it meant. And he said, but if you think apostleship is you going around being in charge, saying I'm the apostle, and so therefore I'm in charge because I'm an apostle, you're not an apostle, right? You know, because you're to you. you don't get it. The office is the control. Yes. And it's like, no, it's an office of servanthood who has responsibilities in a larger area. And if you understand that, then you're a servant. And at some point, people will recognize your apostleship. 
But if you go around saying, hi, I'm the apostle and I'm in charge, you are not the apostle. Or let's just say you're not effectively doing the work of an apostle. No, you're abusing the gift. Right. And so similar with headship, right? If we're going to fight over headship, you're not the head. (laughs) If If you're spending your time fighting over headship, that's not headship. So let me say this, because I did just give a pretty hard statement just a second ago. All right. If you if you are in a marriage, either side, woman, you know, it, it, male or female, or if you're in a homosexual relationship, if you're in a relationship where you are connected together as husband and wife, and there are things going on that you feel you are not free to be with your spouse because they are not either understanding what intimacy in a relationship is about, or they are abusing headship or, and it can be the other way around too. It can be a woman battering a husband. Um, Mm -hmm. Let us pray for you. Let us intercede for you for things Mm. to be changed and don't let it keep going. Talk to somebody, go to a counselor, Go to a trusted spiritual leader. Please um, don't just think this is the way it has to be. I I will tell you, Dan and I are watching marriages fall apart around us. We got some hard news recently of a marriage that we know where things were not going well. Mm -hmm. And this marriage has ended very tragically. Um, and, And it's hard for us to watch that. I mean, these, these are trusted people in the spiritual community and in the professional community and their marriage has ended with children involved. And I just feel like, you know, I'm Mm going to hop on the mental train, mental health train right now, reach out to somebody, please do not isolate yourself and think that this is your forever spot. There is help available. There are solutions. There is God coming in and making a way where it seems like there isn't a way. And if your marriage has already dissolved and you, and and you feel like you failed or there were, there's huge regrets or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Also there is redemption there too. And we would love to pray with you. Um, you can even send us something anonymously, although I don't know how, but we, it, Reach out to us or somebody that you mm-hmm. feel is a trusted spiritual leader or a mature Christian or a mature counselor or somebody that can give you some help to understand how to to recover from abuses or recru- recover from divorces or recover from whatever's going on. There is hope. There is hope at mm-hmm. every level. Your marriage may be done, but your relationship with God is not done. Your relationship with other people is not done. And be encouraged that God does want relation. He wants us to talk to him. He wants us to participate with him in what is going on in the earth. And no situation is completely dire where you can no longer be used or be in, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say be used, be in relationship with the Lord and have a fulfilling, thriving life. Right. He always wants to have you. Yes. Healthy and active and alive and all those things. Let me give one more encouragement on those who are struggling with patterns of, let's not go as far as, you know, well, who knows? I don't want to judge levels of trauma. But I think a lot of marriages, what will happen is you get into patterns of 
whether it be fighting, arguments, uh, patterns of bad habits, and so forth. And so part of this would be to fix it, we often want to just say, I need to get you to change. Yeah. And, well, that's rarely successful. So the first thing I would say, and here's just, the, this is a couple things just to help you get started. This is not the answer to all your marriage problems. This is just saying, hey, here's a couple of key things. Always go back to the Lord and say, God, what do you want me to do in this situation? Mm-hmm. Spend some time actually talking to the person and learn to talk politely and ask questions. Mm-hmm. Stop with the accusations. Mm-hmm. No matter how much you want to accuse them, no matter how much they do it, no matter how much they keep doing it, stop accusing. Yeah. Okay. Recognize there are, that's not to say there aren't problems, but the problem doesn't get resolved through accusation. Mm -hmm. So bring in forgiveness, but then start talking, real talk. And it may mean you have to expose yourself a little bit and your heart. Mm -hmm. And both of you will have to do this at some point to get to really grow. Mm -hmm. But here's the key, or here's the encouragement I have. What will typically happen is the other person will say, okay, I won't do that anymore. I fixed that or whatever. And they'll do it again. Mm -hmm. What's the reaction? The reaction is to accuse them and say, see, I knew you hadn't changed. Or it's still here. Or have that in your heart. And here's my encouragement. Having gone, we went through some tough stuff. You're going to have the same problems. But as you learn to deal with it, you'll have them less. And the time between them will stretch out as you develop new habits and as you develop new patterns and learn to not react. Mm -hmm. It's the constant reacting is what fuels these things. Learn to not react. Mm -hmm. And as you do that, you will see that the traumas start becoming fewer, smaller, and farther between, and you will develop the new relational habits to actually grow in health. Yeah. And that means both of you need to go. I mean, if you're the husband and you think you want to be the head, you better be hanging out with Jesus. <laughs> it means you need to talk to God. For, and if you're the wife, as a, as you a still start, need to talk you probably to, need to be hanging out with some other people too. Right. And you probably you need to get ahead. healthy people in your life. Okay. If you got people in your life complaining about your spouse, you mm-hmm. need to lose those people. Mm-hmm. You know, you need people who will yeah. encourage you, build you up, and help you to grow in Christ and with each other. Yeah. So we can't have entire marriage counseling here right today, and that would be very specific to people and all that. But that's hopefully a little bit of encouragement. Yeah. To say there is hope, and the, I think the fundamental is. We need to turn our heart back to God and say, if I want to have a real relationship, I need to actually love the other person and find out what is it that God wants me to do to truly love that person. Mm-hmm. And let's kind of push the whole control issue to the side because that's just not a winning strategy. <laughs> no, and that's not what Jesus meant in Ephesians chapter 5 right. or any of the other passages that have been either misinterpreted or taken way out of context. Right, and I believe those are true things in the Bible, but understand their context, purpose, and application. Amen. So.
Thanks for listening, guys. And if you do want to call yep. or write, podcast at grace.world. Visit us at grace.world. Please register. There. Push the little subscribe button while mm-hmm. you're there. You can add comments on our website now. Yes, please do. Tell us something. And call us, 833-85-GRACE. And we look forward to hearing from you. So We do love you. We hope you have a great week. Mm-hmm. Bye. We love you. Bye. Bye.